Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Folks, um, things are getting really strange out there in terms of, of what's happening in the CBD and hemp world. It seems that everywhere I go, if I go to the supermarket, I go to the pharmacy, um, there, there's an aisle full of CBD or hemp products for everything. Uh, there are even drinks now that are hemp drinks, et cetera, et cetera. I go to the doctor. My doctor asks me, how are you feeling? Do you have any pain? He's, he's a conservative. I, I, I think he may even be a Republican. He's now selling hemp and CBD products. Uh, I go to my gynecologist and she starts asking me, do you have any problems? Uh, how is your sex life? Because, uh, you know, there are a lot of new things on the market out there. I shouldn't say things, but products that can help with your sex life. Uh, so it, it, it's like it seems it's all over the place. And of course, when you walk down the street, especially in a place like New York City or Chicago and even parts of Miami, you smell, you, you smell marijuana all over the place. It, it seems that right now we're in a, a, a marijuana cannabis craze. I don't, I don't know where it's going to go, but uh, it, it's rather unusual. And of course, on other fronts, we've got lots of things going on. Uh, between last week and the week before, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, our, uh, our Olympic runner from from you know the United States representing United States, she was disqualified from the Olympics, and the reason for that was they found marijuana in in her in her bloodstream. So I said to myself, let's find somebody who can really tell us what's going on in the cannabis world today, and that's because I'd like to welcome back Dr. Peter Greenspoon. He's a Harvard Medical School professor, and he's also a primary care physician at Massachusetts General Hospital, and he's been involved in cannabis research his entire life. And his father, who unfortunately passed away recently, is Dr. Lester Greenspoon, and Lester Greenspoon is considered the father or I shouldn't say the father, the grandfather of medical marijuana. Dr. Peter Greenspoon, welcome back to High Society with Paxton Quigley. And how are you today? I'm well, thanks for having me back. Well, I I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hope that you'll become a regular on, on our show because you know a lot and you've been around uh, almost, I guess, right from the beginning when, when cannabis first uh, uh, came, came on. When did you start actually doing cannabis research? How long ago was that? Well, I started practicing um, medical cannabis about two minutes into medical school. And how many years ago was that? Oh, probably about 28 years ago. And at that time, uh, what was it like studying cannabis then? I mean, were people looking at you uh, or talking about you in, in strange terms? Uh, did they think what you were doing was, you know, uh, not cool? Well, you know, I was sort of in favor of it, whereas back then the vibe, in, you know, the, the sort of curriculum in medical school was sort of anti-medical cannabis. So they gave a little bit of lip service to it. But 
you know, it depended a little bit on sort of how, I would say how old the people were. You know, my classmates weren't against it. Um, but I would say, depending on like two things, one, how old the doctors were, the younger doctors were much more in favor of it than the older doctors. And it also sort of depended on what the field was. You know, the oncologists have always been sort of in favor of it because they see how much it helps their patients. I mean, it's always been hard to find an oncologist that's against medical cannabis. Uh, you know, the psychiatrists tend to be, for whatever reason, more against it. So it depends a little bit sort of what field uh, of the physician is and also the age of the physician. Roughly speaking, you know, there could be elderly psychiatrists that are against it and young oncologists that are against it. But generally speaking, I found that it correlates, correlated a little bit with or mostly with the age of the doctor and uh, the field, the specialty of the doctor. Hmm, that's very interesting to know, and I'm sure a lot of that continues to occur today. Now, let's start with Wednesday's press conference that was held by Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senators Ron Wyden and Cory Booker. Now, as I see it, Senator Schumer rolled out this highly anticipated draft bill for federal legislation, or I shouldn't say legislation, but legalization, removing it from the Controlled Substance Act, expunging, non expunging nonviolent marijuana convictions, also tax cannabis like alcohol, and essentially create a regulatory framework for full legalization. Now, I think that we understand that this bill, which is called the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, is a draft that needs to be approved in the Senate. But to my mind, here lies the problem. What do, what do your years of experience tell you might or might not happen? And if it does pass, this is the big question in my mind, will President Biden actually sign it into law? Well, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, first of all, the fact that we're even discussing this represents huge progress. Uh, you know, I was growing up with like cannabis activists in my living room in the 1970s. And, you know, um, in 1971, when my dad's <clears throat> book, Marijuana Reconsidered, came out, um, where he called for legalization, uh, national support for legalization was 12%. And now it's like 69%. So the fact that we're even discussing this is really extraordinary. Uh, the, the shift towards legalization of cannabis and away from the punitive war on drugs, which has been such a catastrophic failure, um, is really encouraging. This bill in particular um, has a lot of really good things about it. Uh, you know, they've really included a lot of equity. Um, the taxation is hefty. Um, and if you add the taxation onto the state taxation, it, you know, taxation is always a tricky issue because the more you tax it, the more uh, people are tempted to go into the illicit market. Uh, the cannabis is less expensive. Um, but, you know, taxation is what um, provides a lot of the benefits to society. Um, so it, it's a little bit complicated with the taxation, but I'm very encouraged by this bill. Um, I hope it passes. Um, you know, people are going to debate it. Um, some people are more interested in equity than others. Um, and we'll see uh, where it goes. Um, most Republicans support legalization. So I hope the Republican senators and eventually representatives can get behind it. Um, it's a little bit of a mystery to me why more than 50% of Republicans in the United States, about 52 to 55% are in favor of legalizing cannabis. I don't understand why the Republican senators aren't getting behind this. And um, about 
uh, President Biden, you know, he certainly evolved his views from being a drug warrior 20, 30, 40 years ago to saying he's, um, you know, he's really moderated his tone. Um, you know, he, he isn't like super anti-cannabis like he used to be, but it's a little bit disappointing that he's not um, completely and fully getting behind this bill. He needs to evolve his views further because he should be completely in favor of legalization and he hasn't adopted that position again yet. Um, I don't quite understand what he doesn't understand about that. And I'd love to discuss it with him because, you know, he of all people should be an advantage point to see what a failure the war on drugs in general and specifically the war on cannabis is. And I don't, there's no good argument against legaliza legalization of cannabis at this point. So I don't know what he's clinging to in the past to be against this bill. This bill has great arguments in favor of it. So I don't know if President Biden's going to support it, but it's very disappointing to the extent that he's not saying he will support it. And he's not thus far saying he'll support it. So we'll just have to see where it goes. Have any of uh, the doctors like you uh, formed a, a kind of a, a consortium and said that they'd like to talk with him about it? Uh, answer a lot of questions he may have. Has there any been, been any dialogue like that that has happened yet? Well, you know, this bill is very new. It's just a couple of days old. Um, and I think the, you know, the um, movement groups, you know, our group, Doctors for Cannabis Regulation, the Drug Policy Foundation, MPP, the groups are still kind of figuring out what their position is towards the bill. Um, you know, um, some groups want there to be more of a focus on equity. Other groups think this is a spectacular opportunity, but we always have an open invitation to talk, obviously, with the president and with any senators about these issues. And we're delighted to discuss it. Um, we strongly believe, as you know, that cannabis not only should be legalized, but should never have been um, made illegal in the first place. We should say re-legalized because 80 years ago it was legal or 84 years ago in this country and was widely used as a safe and legal medication. The question is not whether to legalize, but sort of how to legalize. Um, again, you know, some people are less interested in equity. Some people are more interested in equity. We think equity is, is, is critical. And also the question is how to legalize, but, you know, there are really important issues like how to keep it out of the hands of adolescents, um, how to keep people from driving under the influence. I mean, it's not that marijuana is this harmless substance. It's, you know, clearly safer than alcohol and safer than tobacco, which are legal. So it doesn't make any sense to have it be illegal. And the harms of having it be illegal are greater than the harms of people using cannabis. So having it be illegal is completely nonsensical policy. But at the same time, you do want to figure out how to legalize it sensibly, how to legalize it to maximize benefit and to minimize harm. It, you know, cannabis does have uh, harms associated with it. And um, you just want to legalize it in a safe way to maximize the medical and the quote unquote adult use benefits. I mean, people use it to great benefit, but you certainly, we don't know the risks or benefits um, of use in pregnant people and breastfeeding it can be um, detrimental to teens using it. And again, you don't want people driving. Um, and a, a small percentage of people who use it um, do get into trouble with it and they can get very dependent on it. So the question is how to legalize it 
um, to minimize harm and to maximize benefit and how to tax it so that you can raise revenue for the benefit of society without driving people into the illicit market. It is a very legitimate and complicated question, like how to best legalize it and is this bill the best way to legalize it? So I think there's a lot of legitimate discussion on how to best and most safely and most fruitfully legalize it. But unfortunately, you know, President Biden hasn't quite seen the big picture that legalization is so much better than having it not be legalized. And decriminalized is such a red herring, it's such a straw man argument because then the transactions are still illegal and the product is still illegal. So you don't have a safe product for people. So decriminalization in my mind is such a nonsense argument for cannabis. So we're getting there, but um, I just think it's, you know, there are legitimate arguments as to how to legalize it sensibly. But the arguments about whether or not to legalize are, to me, sort of in the past, because it's so obvious, at least to me, that we need to legalize it. It's the question of how to best do that. Well, after saying all this, I think to myself, this could really take not just one year, but actually many years before it's it's fully legalized and uh, you know and a, a lot of it and i understand is in terms of uh, children and adolescents uh using it uh, as well as the fact that a lot of people become uh, shall we say almost addicted to it and seem to be uh, shall we say stoned all the time uh, so this is this is as, as you said this is this is a complicated issue um but i i'd like to step back a bit to just before the 4th of July, uh, this young woman, uh, Shakari Richardson, uh, she's really been in, in the news and, and I think she'll likely remain so for a while. Why, my question is, why should the, the fastest female runner in the world sit out the upcoming Olympics for cannabis she consumed in Eugene, Oregon? It's, it was, it's a legal state. And, and what effect is her case having on the already heightened conversation around cannabis legalization? Let's say both from a, um, uh, uh, the point of view of sports, uh, the point of view of Olympics, et cetera, to the national policy in the United States. It's, it, it seems like it's another, we have another complication there, right? Right, well, to my understanding, this is yet another casualty of the war on drugs. It's pretty clear that they, the United States forced the Olympic Committee to include cannabis on the, um, on the prohibited list um, because they just didn't want athletes using cannabis. Barry McCaffrey, the then drug czar, uh, I believe under Clinton, um, was quoted as saying, we don't want can athletes using cannabis, I'm paraphrasing, because we have to have them project an anti-drug image and we don't want cannabis to be a accepted drug. And somehow they seem to be have been arguing the cannabis at the same time, you know, creates a motivational syndrome, which is complete nonsense. And at the same time is performance enhancing. And the third category is that it's um, against the spirit of the Olympics, um, which is sort of like a, you know, go into the whole racist nature of the whole stigmatization of, of cannabis in this country and worldwide. And, you know, th so those are the three um, and three uh, categories that it causes harm to the athlete, which is sort of, you know, compared to what the opiates and the benzodiazepines and the muscle relaxants that they're, they prescribe hand over fist to the athletes and th that they're allowed to use with a prescription. 
um, that it's a performance enhancement. There's no evidence whatsoever that cannabis is a performance enhance enhancer and that it causes harm, that it's against the spirit of the Olympics, whatever that is, the spirit of the rehab industry or the spirit of the drug war or the spirit of the uh, law enforcement that, you know, so enriches itself on the war on drugs. So, you know, cannabis somehow is this magical substance that violates all three of the criteria, even if the criteria like contradict itself, you know, again, it's performance enhancing, yet it also causes a motivational syndrome. It's so ridiculous and hypocritical. And again, I think it comes down to the U.S. Uh, forcing the war on drugs, imposing the war on drugs into every facet of life. And this, you know, unfortunate woman was using cannabis to cope with a with a really upsetting life event that she experienced, finding out about the death of her birth mother. And, you know, that's, everybody needs something. Most people need something. In a perfect world, we'd all, you know, have our yoga mats, eat tofu, um, you know, talk to people, be super healthy, but most people use something. And, you know, the default has been alcohol, which ironically is allowed by the Olympic Committee, even though it's generally recognized as more dangerous than cannabis. It kills 90,000 people a year in the United States, whereas cannabis it kills about zero. Um, and it's just preposterous. Um, you know, you can make the argument that those were the rules and she broke them, but at the same time, those shouldn't have been the rules. And we need to get the war on drugs out of the Olympic Committee and out of everywhere else. If you, you know, if you listen to, in my humble opinion, um, you know, I would take it even further and say that, like, we just had a report come out that like 93,000 people died of opiate overdoses in the United States. And uh, that's a 13% increase. You know, a lot of that's because of the pandemic. And that's really tragic. And I personally think that if drugs were legal and regulated, and if we sort of got rid of the whole war on drugs, not just the cannabis, but for all of these drugs, nobody would be dying. So I, th I would take it even further that we need to get law enforcement out of the whole issue of drug use and instead put doctors, nurses, social workers, uh, you know, scientists, public health officials, people that actually understand drugs and who care uh, in charge of people who are using drugs um, and regulated them and again, legalized them, nobody would be dying. I mean, what we're doing now couldn't be more of a spectacular disaster with close to 100,000 people a year dying of overdoses. So enough is enough with the war on drugs. But specifically with your question of Miss um, Richardson, it, it's really unfortunate that she's not running. And it just goes to show that um, the hypocrisy and the, the destructiveness, I mean, which is worse for her? Taking a couple puffs of cannabis to deal with a acute um, grief issue or getting stripped of her dreams at the Olympics. It just goes to show. And, you know, the analogy would be, which is worse for like, a, you know, a, a, a person in the United States to use cannabis or to get involved in the criminal justice system, which can affect your employment, your education, your job prospects. It can cause generational poverty versus using a, you know, a medicinal plant to deal with grief and um, anxiety or chronic pain. I mean, again, it would be better if people dealt with things in a, you know, without resorting to a substance in a perfect world, but to get criminal justice system involvement on your record or to get banned for the Olympics is such a
counterproductive response by society that um, getting to the point of being preposterous. Um, so again, I think it's very unfortunate and the rules need to change yesterday. Okay. Well, uh, it's becoming more and more obvious that this whole issue is going to take uh, uh, more years than uh, at least I thought in terms of any changes uh, taking place. Uh, it's or, most unfortunate. Or, or that this is going to telescope the changes and really focus such a spotlight on how hypocritical and counterproductive the inclusion of cannabis is um, in these uh, sort of punitive uh, list, these punitive um, drug testing and these punitive um, measures. And maybe it's going to, they're going to get rid of cannabis. They're getting rid of it in many other sports. You know, the NBA, the NFL, MLB, Major League Baseball, they're all, you know, really aggressively reassessing their cannabis policies because the players are saying, why do we have to take opiates and benzodiazepines and muscle relaxants and ambient to sleep, all these heavy duty pharmaceuticals when we want to treat ourselves with medical cannabis, a plant-based medicine, which very arguably is less dangerous or no more dangerous than these heavy duty pharmaceuticals. And all of these sports organizations are reevaluating their policies. So I think the Olympics are going to be under a lot of pressure to reassess their cannabis policy. What, uh, what is the attitude in the rest of the world, like Europe? Uh, how did, uh, have they responded to what happened uh, uh, with, uh, you know, right now with, with uh, the Olympics. Was there any any uh, criticism there? Did they they well, say I, anything or, yeah, no, or they, not? They've had the same outrage that we've had about this. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to anyone um, for this woman to get banned for cannabis. So I think that sort of worldwide, um, you know, there are a couple cultures that, you know, might not be is sympathetic, but generally speaking in Europe, uh, they're having a radical shift towards pro-legalization shift just as we are. Uh, they think it's nonsense as well. So I think there's worldwide pressure for the Olympics to reassess their cannabis policy. Well, um, I don't know if I said this before, my, my son lives in France, in Paris, and he says, you walk down the street and you can smell marijuana all over the place. So uh, obviously, uh, in Paris at least, uh, no one seems to care, or I should say the authorities don't uh, seem to care. Anyway, let's go on to uh, our, our last uh, question. And it's not been given much notice in the news, President Biden nominated uh, a doctor named Dr. Rahul Gupta to be the first physician. This is the first time, first physician ever to lead the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. And even more interesting, Dr. Gupta served as chair of the West Virginia Medical Cannabis Advisory Board, where he actually touted the medicine, uh, medicinal benefit of marijuana. Now. If his role is confirmed, and who knows what the Republicans are going to do, it's most he's, he's going to be called or he's referred to as the drug czar. Uh, does, does, do you think that Biden, again, is, 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 is shifting ever so slightly? Um, uh, what do you see happening on this? What's your take on this? Well, you know, first of all, cannabis activists view all of this through the lens of cannabis. But the drug czar does a whole bunch of things, and we're in the middle of an opiate crisis. So the fact that Biden appointed him might not 
may or may not reflect a change in this position on cannabis because there are a lot of really complicated drug issues going on in this country that the drugs are overseeing. That said, it's very encouraging that he would pick someone who is not for the first time ever in the dark ages about cannabis. I mean, that office, the Office of National Drug Control Policy has been a disaster on cannabis since the very beginning. They've done nothing but spew misinformation about cannabis and um, support really regressive policies that have resulted in misinformation, stigma, and people ending up in prison. I mean, honestly, with respect to cannabis, that, that office has been terrible and has probably done a lot more harm than good. So it's encouraging. You know, Patrick Kennedy was trying to get himself appointed as drugs are and for Biden. And he's the one that gave us that group smart approaches to marijuana, quote unquote, which just does nothing but um, fight against the different ballot initiatives for medical cannabis and for legalization. They say they're in favor of decriminalization of cannabis, but they've been, they just oppose everything flat out, period. Uh, they're just a very dishonest group that um, is, you know, we think they're funded by law enforcement and rehab. They don't make their funding public at all. Um, and they say they're transparent about their funding, but they're not, they don't. And so we're, you know, to pick someone that's sort of sensible about cannabis, as opposed to someone like Patrick Kennedy, who like just is completely, um, just doesn't understand it. And it like has created this group that does nothing but spread misinformation and nonsense is really encouraging for the cannabis community. Um, whether or not, um, in the Biden administration, he'll be able, assuming, as you say, he'll, he gets, um, he gets, um, you know, through the the process of, you know, confirmation, um, whether or not he'll be able to modify and improve the Biden administration's um, policy on cannabis, you know, which has been mixed. They haven't been going after the states or pestering the states, which is good, and they certainly haven't been, you know you know, turning back any of the progress is being made on a state by state level, you know, like the Trump administration was off on cannabis. He, Trump said, you know, he's not going to take it away from people, but his, he had Jeff Sessions as a attorney general who was awful, for, first of all, and they rescinded the Cole memo, which was what protected the state. And second of all, a lot of the judges that Trump was appointing uh, the federal judges were really just these Neanderthals that were anti-cannabis. So Biden is much better than Trump on cannabis, even if Biden per se isn't like great himself on the issue. The fact that we have smart people in his administration who understand the issue, it's, it's a lot of progress. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, a really good analysis of, of, of what's happening. And now I want to ask you just I, one more question. What do you see uh, or maybe hope will happen in the next, let's say, five years? Will we be, do you think, any further ahead or will, will there still be a, a stalemate over uh, the whole issue of, of, of cannabis? Well, you know, it's interesting. The, the question is whether we're going to continue to make incremental progress. Um, you know, some people don't want the Safe Back, Back Banking Act because they think that helps corporations and doesn't help with the whole, it helps undermine the whole, the big picture, which is legalization with equity. Um, so are we gonna get there with passing a bill like the one that was just released by Schumer? Um, it's hard to say what's gonna happen. And is a Republican 
gonna, are Republicans going to take the House? And why are Republicans so against cannabis legalization when most Republicans support cannabis legalization? It's also cloudy. It's really hard to tell. Um, I'm a little bit mystified. Granted, Democrats are more in favor of legalization than Republicans. But again, more than half of Republicans are in favor of legalization. Three out of four of the red states that voted on a legalization passed. They passed legalization um, in Montana, in South Dakota, and there was one more. Virginia is sort of a purple state, but Virginia too. Um, so I don't understand why the Republicans are not embracing this as well. It's a really popular issue. Um, so it's a little bit murky what's going to happen. I think there's going to be progress because there's such a vast societal shift in favor of legalization. But in what, what particular manifestation that progress is going to take, whether we're going to get federal legalization or just safe banking, or whether we're still going to get legalization state by state, at some point it's going to get ridiculous. If all 50 states have legal cannabis, but there's not federal legalization, it's sort of incoherent that even Judge Clarence Thomas, who's about as right wing as you can get, started to allude to about three weeks ago. Like it doesn't really make sense if like all the states have legalization and the federal policy doesn't hold for legalization. So it starts to get very incoherent. So I don't really have an answer for that, but I could do have an answer for one thing, one prediction. It's gonna be very interesting. That's my one prediction. <laughs> It's going to be very interesting. Yes, yes. Well, you'll be in the thick of things. And, uh, um, you know, we'd love to have you on again. Uh, and uh, I appreciate uh, all of your knowledge and all that. And maybe next time we can have a discussion about some of maybe some of the research uh, that you're doing in, in, in the world of cannabis. I think uh, our audience would certainly enjoy that. And uh, please give uh, our listeners your, your website so they can learn more about you. Oh, sure. I, um, I do do, uh, first of all, I do health coaching. I'm now a certified health and wellness coach. And I also do coaching um, on cannabis um, for people who are kind of curious or people who want to, um, figure out how to use it better or use it medically. Um, I could only do certifications in Massachusetts, but I'm, it's very easy. It's just petergrinspoon.com. It's pretty easy to reach me. Good. And Grinspoon, folks, is spelled G-R-I-N-S-P-O-O-N. Yep. Well, again, like smile, spoon like pork. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you have a good humor because uh, I, we all need it right now. And Absolutely. again, Thank you so much for, for being on the show with us, and we look forward to have you on again. Thanks Th for having thank you. me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. I, I always enjoy talking to you, Peter. You're, you, you've got so much knowledge, and, and you say it in a nice, easy way for people to understand, which is very, very important. So I, th I thank you again. Um, people, um, Thank you for talking with us on, on High Society uh, with Paston Quigley. I shouldn't say talking, but listening to us. We, we certainly uh, hope that you will continue to listen to us. Uh, we have more people like Dr. Grinspoon who have provided a lot of really good information on what's happening in the cannabis world. And you can hear us uh, on many different ways, fortunately. We can be heard on Apple and Audibles speaker or wherever you listen to your podcast, including, of course, CannabisRadio.com. And I'd also like to thank our listeners who've purchased my latest novel, Just Try Me, which is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And folks, there is a chance that it could become a TV series, but 
If that ever happens, you all will be the first to know. Anyway, please stay safe. Please get vaccinated because you know we, we can beat this virus if we work together. Thank you. I'm Paxton Quigley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.